As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10, place your first bet on any game, and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager. Before we get, we'll get to that, uh, St. Vincent, I, let me just check in with you for just a second here. Now, I know this, but people out there may not know, you are a proud daughter of Dallas. Is this not true? I am, in fact, from Dallas, Texas, yes. Yes. Oh, wow. Okay. Are you, like, what? Sell me on Dallas, because I've never been to Dallas. <laughs> I've never been to Dallas. Is it the brisket? Is it the cowboys? What should I look forward to the most? Um, well, I find that whenever I tell people I'm from Dallas, they say, oh, I love Austin. <laughs> Have you ever, you follow the Cowboys? I, I did in 1994, so, yeah. It's quality year, it's yeah. quality year. Have you ever sung the national anthem at a Cowboys game? Uh, no, but I've been uh, trying to. And they have yet to take you up on your offer? They have never taken me up on my offer. Cowboys, let's get it right over here. Cowboys, hey. Cowboys, you're, you're passing up an enormous opportunity here. She, you can save money because she can accompany herself on the guitar. And if you don't let her do this, she's going to go off and sing the national anthem for whatever Austin's football team is. <laughs> and the only thing else I got to say is, how about them Cowboys? How about them Cowboys indeed? It's another week of Cowboys training camp in Oxnard. It's another week of Cowboys podcast shenanigans, courtesy of The Athletic, from us. So welcome back in to About Them Cowboys. I'm Kent producing. David Helmond will be back. He's off at Fox shaking hands and, uh, you know, meeting the meeting the new bosses and all that. So best of luck to him. But we've got Father John out there in Oxnard to report on everything that's going on. And of course, our host, Kevin K.T. Turner. Welcome back, K.T. Thank you very much, Kent. And I guess the uh, the disclaimer for the podcast, I would say, we're recording this on Monday night, August 1st. If you're following day-to-day Cowboys training camp stuff, because quite frankly, John, there's been a lot. I think let's start out with the wide receiver position. I think we should start there today. James Washington carted off the field. Already a thin position group, a position group that's had the fan base up in a tizzy, and then they lose a guy they were... Probably going to be counting on just a little bit until Michael Gallup gets back. What's the latest on James Washington, and where in the heck do we go from here, John? Yeah, he was just doing a – it really was a one-on-one type situation. It was, they were in a seven-on-seven drill, but he was going one-on-one on a deep ball with uh, Trayvon Diggs defending, and they both went up to try and make a play on the ball, and it looks like when James Washington came down, I mean, it's right in front of me, Looked like his right foot kind of got rolled up underneath the both of them. And when he got up, it looked like he, he thought, I don't know, he had the reac- reaction of someone who twisted their ankle, you know, and then was like, all right, I'll put some pressure on this and see where it's at. And then immediately after that first time he stood up and put pressure on it, he, it was like, the reaction was like, almost like, you know, he like, you know, he stepped up, stepped on a nail or something where it was just like, okay, we can't be doing this. And, you know, so he's got to stand there for, it's probably 30 to 90 seconds, but it probably seems like five minutes until the cart gets there. And this is all happening right in front of my face as he's talking to a trainer. And you can just tell, like, you're not 
supposed to speculate on anything like on those injuries and things like that. It's uh the Cowboys have a rule about that for training camp and other practices. And generally you're supposed to, you know, wait until you hear something more, but you could tell it was not just a, Oh, I rolled my ankle. Let's just try and walk it into the locker room. It was, he, he, you could tell the concern on his face was that, yeah, this is something pretty serious. And so, yeah, it sounds like it's a, uh, uh, I mean, it is, it's a fracture. They feared that during practice, they knew before practice was over, it was probably that they had to get x-rays and things, uh, to, uh, confirm it. So yeah, probably six to 10 weeks, similar Jones fracture type thing that, uh, DeMarcus Lawrence had last year, you know, caused him to miss 10 games. And so, uh, yeah, they're going to be out with, they're going to be without James Washington for a couple of months. Now, uh, I know that for us on this show, we've talked about other receivers for them, even before this happened, talking about free agents, like a Will Fuller, you know, uh, Manuel Sanders, guys like that, obviously probably the biggest name out there, Odell Beckham. You know, I don't know that this means that they're going to be like any quicker to going down that road than they were before this happened. Because I think that this more than anything is going to open up more like right, right away. Noah Brown is going to be working with the ones he's been, he's been, he's had a very good start to training camp. So I know that they're going to give him even more reps. And then TJ Vasher's played well. You have Simi Fahoko who they drafted last year, who this is just a huge opportunity potentially for him. I'd see them kind of trying to figure out what they have there and then potentially going to sign someone else as opposed to just jumping right into it and, and going on and, and just, you know, signing, uh, some big name guy because they're thin at the, they're thin at the position. Cause let's be honest with James Washington they were thin at the position. Yeah. Now the easy thing to do is to quickly just start spouting out Will Fuller, Emmanuel Sanders, you know, all the names that we talked about, uh, T Y Hilton, uh, Odell Beckham Jr. Doesn't really help you, uh, in, in this time period that you need, but James Washington, Getting hurt, yeah, that sucks. Bad deal, right? But it's not should not cause you know a freak out or a panic. I mean, because you don't want to like every time there's an inter, uh, an injury. Sometimes you almost like a vel, uh, elevate how much that player was going to mean to this. And I don't know that it's a certainty that James Washington, when healthy, was going to be getting you know a ton of snaps. Like if Jalen Tolbert does what he needs to do in camp, then you know he's probably going to get that spot. And I, and I I think now is where you have this kind of weird situation where. What are you going to do with Tony Pollard? How much uh, of a, of an effect is Kevontae Turpin going to put into this receiving group? And then I think you have your guys like TJ Vasher who come into play. When it all comes down to it, Noah Brown's probably the guy they trust more than any of them, right, to go out and just do what they're asking. But TJ Vasher obviously made what's so far been the play of camp with his one-handed catch. And I just think TJ Vasher has a chance. He's one of those guys with a ton of talent, probably a lot of that wasted at Texas Tech with some bad quarterback play and things like that. But what are the odds of him? This happens every year at training camp, right? I I think back to the Jalen Guyton year. You know, it's like they always have, there's always like a guy who's like on the fringe of making the team who makes like a big play early in camp. And then when you get to the preseason games and you need the consistency to start showing, the shine kind of wears off. Uh, what do you think about the odds of TJ Vasher and what else does he need to do to make the team outside of just, you know, playing wide receiver? Yeah. I mean, he'd have to help on special teams, which with his size, I mean, how many receivers at that size are really big special teams contributors. So, you know, that, that would be a concern. Noah Brown to me is, is clearly the next guy up, not only from what he's shown in training camp, but this is year six for him. I mean, he's been in the system for a while, uh, where, I mean, it started out where he was more just a blocking wide receiver. They got him out there a lot on run plays because they really trust him as a blocker. And now they're to the point where, like like I said, if you didn't know any of these receivers, you're coming out here watching camp, you probably would say that he's been their second most productive receiver behind CeeDee Lamb. So, uh, yeah, I could see them going with Noah Brown. Um, I, I I do feel like it, you know, what mentioning Will Fuller and some of those names, it probably makes them a little bit more interested in, in kicking the tires there, maybe um, checking things out a little bit more uh, than they would have before. I'm just saying, don't look at it as, okay, well, tomorrow morning we're going to wake up and they're going to add another big time receiver to, to the group. They have the money, obviously. I mean, they have the second most salary cap space, so they can certainly do it if they want. And Will Fuller makes a lot of sense to me. That's the guy that, you know, you're looking to, uh, you know, take the top off the defense and spread the field. And that certainly fits with, combining that with what you have and in, in your other receivers on the team. I mean, that would have been that, that to me is just like a, a perfect fit. If I, and, and you had to get the medicals on him and see where he checks out and all that. But uh, certainly 
not a great sign that the very first day you're in, in, in pad, you're going to lose a guy who was uh, pretty close to being a lock to start early in the season. until Michael Gallup got back um, and now you're not going to have him for a couple months. So Noah Brown, Simi Fahoko, TJ Vasher, this is your chance. If not, then maybe they go out and they try and sign somebody or maybe they go out and try and trade for somebody. Yeah, I think the other thing I always like to add is some teams, you know, are a little deeper than others. There are roster moves that will have to be made. Um, so you can kind of play that game. It doesn't help you this week or next week. Uh, but, you know, that's always always an option if you're kind of trying to look for a little bit of optimism on what the Cowboys can do. We uh, it, was just, it happened late last week. Let's talk about the uh, Kevontae Turpin thing. Um, you know, it's, it's interesting for sure. And it's good that Turpin has at least – done what he was asked um, in the CFL and I'm talking more off the field than I am on the field. I mean, uh, CFL, the USFL um, uh, MVP. Uh, And then, you know, obviously he had the incidents where he was kicked out of TCU, the domestic assault uh, situation um, in which he pled guilty to. Um, You can go into a lot of different directions here, uh, but your thoughts on that uh, almost kind of thrifty signing by the Cowboys there. It's kind of ironic because I had just heard Daryl Moose Johnson on the radio not too long before I led left for training camp talking about how he had some, he was on, uh, on the ticket talking about how he had some concern about, you know, Daryl Moose Johnson works in, with USFL and there was some concern about even allowing Turpin into their draft pool. Uh, so they had to do an extensive background check and he said that, you know, everything checked out and he ended up being, you know, a great asset for the league. And I mean, he was just, you know, he did everything that that was asked of him and, and, you know, checked all the boxes. And so I'm sure in some aspects that probably helped with, with the, you know, making it easier for the Cowboys to sign him because there was interest, you know, the Cowboys are the first team to reach out from NFL team to reach out to him. Uh, he, at least that's what he said the other day. So there, there was obviously interest there. And I think a lot of that comes from the fact that, C.D. Lamb being elevated that number one wide receiver role, you're going to need somebody to help as a returner. And so, especially with this Washington injury, like you want Jalen Tolbert going back there? Because that right now, like today at practice, the primary punt returners working on on punt return drills were Turpin and Tolbert. Like, I don't, if I'm the Cowboys, I don't want Tolbert doing anything like that, you know? So that's where I think he fits in. The, you know, the, now, hey, he has gotten in. Turpin's gotten in on some second, third team team drills, and they've had him in the slot, and they've handed the ball to him a little bit. I mean, he's a little guy, five five, you know, but he's he's a burner, man. He's he's real quick. So I think of him as a returner. I, I just don't see you taking plays away from Tony Pollard and some other receivers to get Turpin the ball with your first team offense on Sundays, unless he just really blows you away uh, with his speed and, and, and shows that hey, man, like this USFL stuff that, that he did, he's going to be able to do some of that here. Then yeah, maybe you have a package of plays for him. But when I look at him right now, as of today, after the first pad of practice, I think of him as primarily being a returner and a special teams player. Absolutely. You know, who he reminds me of is uh, Jakeem Grant a little bit, and he's even smaller than Jakeem Grant, but Jakeem Grant, who uh, ended up, I guess he ended up uh, back at the bears last year, but he was with the dolphins for all those years. Highly productive college wide receiver, but he's 5'7 and he's 165. Now, Turpin's 5'5, 155, but productive in his time at TCU with some pretty uh, below average quarterback play. Um, so, like, you know, there's, there's enough there. Uh, now, there is the other side of, oh, there goes the Cowboys again. Like, we just heard Jerry Jones kind of uh, do the whole um, ability over um, availability thing last week and all that. And I was like, okay, well, we already have uh, Josh Balls kind of got this sordid history. like So, like, there's like a selfish – the self-righteous part of me, which is not much of me, but the self-righteous part of me is like, aren't there other guys that you could just, like, go get um, that are, like, similar and are going to bring you that in nature that don't have the questions? Like, the different, like my, my whole Josh Ball argument was less about – Josh Ball is a fine prospect. We watch his tape and all that stuff. And I was like – but the difference in him and another fourth round offensive tackle at the time, the difference is negligible. So let's maybe get the guy who doesn't have like eight things. I completely like, agree. So that's where I'm kind of like, man, it's, it's, there's certain players in the league that I'm not going to mention names, but it shouldn't be difficult for most people listening to this to figure out. There's some big names in, in the league right now uh, because of off the field things that when you, you look at that particular player, you're like, yeah, that doesn't sound good about the off the field. 
but then you're also kind of like, I can see where these teams keep giving this player uh, all their chances because of what they can be on Sundays. And the Cowboys have definitely done that with players that are on that level, mm-hmm. but the Cowboys are notorious for doing that with players that you're just like, this guy, this is worth this, it. <laughs> yeah. Right. You're, he, what's, what's the max out with him? What's he going to be to this team? And you're willing. Okay. It's almost like they need to like, they do, they do this like on a yearly basis with, it's almost like, even if you get rid of one guy like that, it's just like, it's always almost, and I'm sure it all comes back to Jerry Jones where it's almost like, Oh, we got rid of one guy that there was some off the field concerns. We should fill his role or another role on the roster with another guy. We need to, we need to match up what we lost there. I mean, yeah, if, if it was, and, and, and I, I hate saying it this way because just because you're a good football player doesn't mean that you should be excused from things off the field. I mean, I don't believe that at all. I'm just saying that I understand it a little bit more as opposed to when it's these guys where you're just like, you're going to do it. You're, you're taking on all of this for this guy right here. You know, you're going to go on the podium and talk about getting rid of Amari Cooper and Randy Gregory and uh, uh, Lyle Collins because of availability. And, and these guys, and those guys were like key starters, but you're going to like, you're going to go add on these guys right here that might not even have a major role in the team. And they have just as much, if not baggage off the field, that's going to jeopardize their chances for their availability. Like, I don't know. It's just a head scratcher. Uh, real quick. I was just going to say, we got Jerry Jones the other day uh, on Saturday as you know, he, every year during the first week, he does like this kind of, they call it a car wash of it. Just it's one local TV interview after another. And then when they're over uh, sometimes like, local beat reporters will grab Jerry for a little bit. So we talked to him for probably about 10 or 15 minutes after that was done. And when he was answering his, the questions first few were about Kelvin Joseph, I just was like, I don't know, man, I just, and it's not like I've been covering this team for 25 years or something, but I just had deja vu of it. Just like almost being the same thing he said about so many other players that it's just like, it, it's, I don't know. It's almost like, it's not even that I feel like with other teams in those moments, you'd really be like, let's listen in to hear what he has to say. This could be in. It's like, really, it's just filling in the blank. Like you said the same thing about this guy that you said about this guy two years ago, this guy, three years ago, this guy, five years ago, this guy, 15 years ago. Like, I don't know, like it is what it is. So when I guess when you covered the Cowboys, you get a little desensitized to it, I guess is what I'm trying to say. Oh, I know I do. It's why I kind of almost like when these things happen, I almost have to like really think about like, you know what you're like, okay with, I guess. And, and, and again, I don't mean to like sound self-righteous because I'm not like I actually uh, from a football standpoint, I applaud the signing. You just got the uh, MVP of the USFL for cheap and he might be able to help you and he might be able to return in punts for you. And let's say there's a scenario where you wanted to retain Tony Uh, Pollard and things like that. Like, you know, let me just make it clear, too. I I completely understand it. Like there there is a way that Jerry goes about his business and he's going to be like that. I don't yeah. think I would have spent more than 30 seconds talking about that if it wasn't that we didn't get a chance to even ask him a question yet. And he was the one talking about availability at his press yeah. conference. Exactly. Just, you, you can't sit there and say that at the beginning of these, pre- like acting like that you you're just trying to get the best 22 guys on the field that just work the hardest in the re- stop. Come on. Now. We so hypocritical at all times. Evidence, evidence, uh, very important in these types of things, as we've seen with the Deshaun Watson situation. And that's obviously going to, Gonna go. I couldn't help but be reminded of of the whole Zeke thing that the league and the Cowboys went through with Zeke, because that's what we're probably staring at with this Deshaun Watson thing, with a lot of probably uh, more court dates coming up. Um, Looking for an assist with your credit card, but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with twenty four seven U.S. based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. And now two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite free. You see this? A family watching baseball on DirecTV with no satellite dish in sight. Let's heckle them. You call that changing the channel? Choke up on the remote, buddy. I hope getting all these games on DirecTV makes up for your mother not pre-chewing your sunflower seeds. DirecTV has the most MLB games. Visit DirecTV.com. Claim based on total games offered on national and regional sports networks with choice package or higher. Availability of RSNs varies by zip code and package. High-speed internet service required. Terms and restrictions apply. The other thing that's kind of these threads kind of tying together, um, Josh Ball has been talked about a lot because going to get some action at tackle. Now, Matt Willetsko, the other guy who we've talked about 
And Stephen Jones said at the opening press conference, were a few names that we're really counting on to step up and we need to see Josh Ball and Matt Wiletsko. Well, Matt Wiletsko's hurt his shoulder. How serious is that looking? It sounds like it's pretty serious in terms of he could potentially need surgery. They're kind of just waiting it out to see where the injury goes to determine does it need surgery? Uh, is it something where they're going to send him back home and, and have that and figure out where they go from there? But um, yeah, it doesn't sound like he's going to be doing anything anytime soon. So I, I would think it's more than likely he ends up having a surgery. And so who knows when, what his timetable will be after that happens. But yeah, he was being looked at as, you know, your backup left tackle. Uh, Mike McCarthy said uh, today, Monday, as we record this, he said earlier in the day that he had some regrets about working first round pick Tyler Smith at left guard and left tackle during OTAs and minicamp, as opposed to just putting them at one position. Because it's very clear since we've been out here in Oxnard, it's left guard for Tyler Smith. So because Good. of that, it's like, hey, well, who's your backup left tackle going to be? Well, it was going to be Matt. Well, let's go. Now, Pierce, he's going to be out for a little bit. So now Josh Ball is firmly your swing tackle, where that means he comes in when you need an extra offensive tackle or and he's the first one up if there's an injury or some reason that you need a starter at right or left tackle. And that could be fine. I mean, hey, they've, they've said that they've liked they've, what they've seen in terms of the growth from Josh Ball uh, during the offseason to where he is here. That's fine. But this is a Cowboys team that almost always adds a veteran swing tackle and they don't have that in this current roster this let's go thing that could potentially make them go in that direction because they're just not really deep at offensive tackle now that you know Lyle Collins isn't there uh you know they don't have the veteran you know Cam Fleming guys that, that they normally have as you know Ty Nisekis as your veteran swing tackle so you know they're pretty thin at, at offensive tackle right now they're pretty thin at offensive tackle coming into cap so uh, yeah, no, it doesn't sound like Velasco is going to be doing anything anytime soon. The swing tackle body, once cuts are made, that does kind of become a dime a dozen, but that doesn't mean that they're good. <laughs> like, you know, like it's like the whole thing. Like, you can have the guy that's a swing tackle, is he any good? Like, but you could get another body too when roster cuts happen. Now, what you said something uh, about Tyler Smith being clear at left guard. Is that more because Tyler Smith, or is that a little bit to do with Connor McGovern not? doing well or is that just Tyler Smith basically getting his hands on and taking the job? Ah, I mean, it's I early. It's I know. So. Bit of both. Yeah. I would say it's a little bit of both, but they didn't draft him in the first round for him sure. to sit and wait. So it's, this is like the biggest glaring hole on the offensive line that he can come in and start right away. He's certainly not beating out Tyron Smith for left tackle. So how do we get this kid on the field right away? And his strength is probably, I mean, not probably, but it's his, it's his run blocking. And so, you know, you put him out there next to Tyron and uh, in between him and Biotish. I think that's where they feel like he probably fits best right now. I still think he ends up them giving him a chance at left tackle eventually somewhere down the road. And heck, that somewhere down the road could be halfway through the season if Tyron Smith gets hurt or something happens there and they're forced to kind of shuffle around their offensive tackles. I mean, this is we've had one day of padded practice and it and they lost James Washington. It almost looked like they lost J. Ron Curse too. Uh, he ended up coming back after a few minutes in the locker room. Uh, and he's fine and good to go. And he returned, but it, it looked pretty significant the way he was down on both of his knees with his head down. Uh, but it ended up being just uh, a scare and and he was fine. But I mean, these padded practices, this is, this is the real deal, you know, like this, obviously they're not hitting quarterbacks, but everything else is happening at, at full speed and injuries happen. So uh, they need some, they need some help at that uh, offensive line depth spot or offensive tackle depth spot. That's for sure. Is it more physical than usual, or is that? I know it's a crazy kind of loaded question. It's just about the same, but it's just pads on. It's just look, it's three hundred pound guys running into each other, so stuff happens. Because you're right, yeah. that curse thing did not look good. Yeah, no, no, I don't think it's them being more physical or anything like that. I just think it's like anything else that they you don't practice for a long period of time. You have time off. You know, you're you come in here, and and yeah, the first four days are are kind of like. They're, I mean, you're in shells, but they're still going. I mean, that's TJ Vasher. Look at that catch. I mean, I'm sure there's a lot of people that watched that, highlighted that catch, and didn't even like think about the fact that, oh, they're not even in full pads. I mean, they're going – both guys, Kelvin Joseph is going at him pretty hard, and he's obviously trying his best to one-hand that ball. So they do that as a ramp-up, those four days, those first four practices like this. But, I mean, it's just football. Just things happen like that. You know, they're just guys land awkwardly, plant awkwardly things like that. But I don't think in terms of the physical nature on the field is any different than it's been in years past. One of my pet peeves every year, even though it's exciting, 
One of my pet peeves is when you have a kicker, uh, a bit of kicker drama, and then the first day all the reporters tweet out the stats, and then the fan base is now down. Now look, I'm a, a full time kicking expert, and I've been very big on Jonathan Garibay of Texas Tech. Um, struggled on day one. Sample size a little bit bigger. Now, Jeff Cavanaugh, our buddy, who pops on this podcast from time to time, and uh, he's got his YouTube channel and stuff, he uh, calls in on the Ben and Skin Show every day, the show that I work on on, uh, on the Eagle, 97.1. And he um, uh, and maybe he's just picking on me because I've been talking so highly of Jonathan Garibay, but he said once again, uh, uh, Garibay was outkicked by uh, Liram. Liam? Liram? Liram. How do you do the last right. name, man? We got to figure yeah. that out too. And I, and I would agree with you. Uh, yeah, Halarahu. Okay. And I would agree that he was. And I, I, today, the okay, so on Saturday when they did the kick competition, it was very like off to the side. Like it wasn't like, I don't know. It wasn't like it was today on Monday when it's the first day with pads on because the reason I say that is because, yeah, he, he missed a couple – he missed the bit, the longest ones he missed from 55, but he made from 53. I'm talking about Garibay on this. And, but then they went to do the, you know, Rod, Rod Marinelli, the Mike McCarthy mojo moment thing. And on both the chances that Garibay got, he missed those field goals. That's when everybody's watching. That's when everybody's around. That's when the whole focus is on you. You know, they run you out there. It's supposed to be simulating a last second field goal, try to win the game or to get a field goal right before half. And he misses on both of those. That's where those ones, those two right there were bigger for me than when they just go through the, all right, well, each of you guys are going to get eight tries. We're going to start from like, you know, whatever, 33, and we're going to work our way back to about 50, 55. You know, there's just, hey, yeah, you know, I mean, there's other drills going on. There's stuff going on in the field that like is somewhat distracting. But in those mojo moment things, that's when like everybody's watching you. This is when, you know, it's the pressure moment. Like that's what kicking's all about. Every... Every kicker that has a chance to kick in the NFL has got a strong enough leg to kick field goals. It's that's not really, it's the mental side of it. What can you do when it's the pressure is the highest when everyone's watching and for him to miss both of those. And it, I don't have the exact yardage with me. I I have videos that I posted from him, but it wasn't like none of them were over 50 yards. I mean, they were within, I think 40 yards plus somewhere in there. Uh, And so, yeah, he missing both of them. One of them hit the upright. Uh, which those videos are always interesting because then you can hear the whole crowd like just gasp in the background because everyone hears it just doink. But sure. Uh, but yeah, it's you know that's another position. It's like you came into this training camp, no one was thinking like, oh yeah, you don't have to worry about Gar- uh, kicker. They just they signed Garibay after the draft. They're fine. Like okay, yeah, it could be fine, and he might still be fine. And it's just might, might be some early camp jitters or whatever. But it's certainly still is a question mark as much as it was coming into training camp that and. Kicker is just so important. So uh, it'll, it'll be something that needs to be monitored, but you know, I can just see here with swing tackle, possibly another wide receiver, possibly a free agent kicker. Like I can see where that 20 some million dollars and under the cap can go pretty quickly. Well, yeah. And, and maybe, uh, maybe that's a credit to them for having that 20 million um, because, you know, let's say Amari Cooper's foot's not good or something. And then you're like, well, there's, there's a money we'd like to have. So I mean, it's, Yes, but right now it is in hindsight easy to go. Man, it sure would be nice to have Amari Cooper right now. Uh, that makes the offense look oh, a lot better. Go cheaper and say it'd be nice to have Cedric Wilson too. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Boy, that was a useful player. My goodness. That, they bring back. I'm telling you, they bring back Cedric Wilson. Let's say that they somehow before the season ended worked out an extremely team friendly deal. If that would have happened, I don't think they ever would have signed James Washington. They draft yeah. Tolbert. Yeah, sure. They been, we're going to go in Tolbert, Wilson, Gallup, and and CD, and that'll be yeah. our foursome. And if Gallup can't go to start the season, we feel good with Cedric Wilson and, and Tolbert. But uh, when Wilson signed elsewhere, that's when they went. I mean, let's not act like they invested a lot of money in James Washington. It's a one-year deal. It's like you know, exactly. very, very friendly type thing. If it doesn't work out, whatever. But it's just the fact that they're thin at wide receiver. That's why the Washington news of today is is kind of a gut punch. Yeah, three years, 23 for Cedric Wilson. I had it in my head that it was 21, so 23. So. You know, a little over, uh, a little over seven. Between seven and eight a year. But yeah, that's the thing. James Washington is the guy in this league who is younger than you think he is. I always feel like James Washington's been around forever. I mean, I remember him at Oklahoma State and all that stuff. It's like, hey, he's just twenty six, but he's is you know, it's just where he's at. Uh, and it, it's a bummer. It sucks for him and it sucks for the team. 
uh, and hopefully he gets over that and can come uh, help out later on in the year. The other thing is, like, with kickers, I was like, at least give them a week here. Can we get some preseason game action? Like, I, it's just very easy for everyone to go, oh, this guy sucks really quickly. It's like, no, well, maybe both of them suck, or maybe both of them are good. And, like, you know, in the end, these guys kick every day. The, the worthy champion will be the worthy champion, or you go sign Kent's guy, Kai Forbath, and that's up in the air. And you know, we'll cross that but bridge that when we get there. That factors in it too, is is just if you're a Cowboys fan, what you've seen from this team over the last few years, the days of just marching out a solid Dan Bailey that's just going to make every you know realistic kick, uh, that's that's a long time ago. That's not recent. There's a lot more Brett Maher, Kai Forbath's, uh, you know, uh, I can't even think of Greg the Leg. Hey, uh, don't disrespect line. Kai by putting him in the same sentence as Maher. Come on, Kai. Right. Kai Kai yeah. is in, in a higher tier. I also think uh, we're bearing the lead that the Mojo Moment is back for another year. I th- We're not changing that. Austin Powers. Well, I'm going to tell you this right now, KT. This part's going to probably really bother. Might probably bother both of you guys. Do you think do you think he put that in there because he's like a real huge fan? Do you think Mike's a huge fan of Austin Powers? Wasn't that the story on Hard Knocks last year? Am I yeah, wrong? Yeah, never even seen the whole movie. He says he likes movie clips. So I don't what? I, I, I yeah, he doesn't even like I don't even think he likes the whole movie. Yeah. Dude, I think so he, he hasn't seen Austin Powers. I, that's not from what I gather, it doesn't sound like that. No, he just likes the the uh that particular clip that was put together. Oh my. He just likes dude. the mojo sequence. He said today okay. it was one of the things that he thought was hilarious. And then, so when he played it for the team, you know, obviously younger guys, they didn't think it was anywhere near as hilarious as he thought it was, but you know, that's like yeah, rolling right up back. to the local dairy queen and you're wearing the scream mask, but you never saw the scream movie. Well, yeah, sure. But I mean, it's not really like that at all, but to be fair, I was talking to our buddy, David Hellman about this the other day. I think he was wearing an Iron Maiden shirt when we were talking about this, but like how, how often like do you see like younger people wearing like band shirts of like, you know, I don't know, it could be like Led Zeppelin. Heck, it could be Guns N' Roses. I mean, depending on how young the person is and they don't even know a song by like the band. They're just like, I don't know, like the shirt, like that's pretty common. So mm-hmm. do what's uh those t-shirts get in target and Walmart. Like Metallica right. has, is like point. one of the most, uh, the highest selling, like, t-shirt bands of all time and I, Nirvana's really close behind him and it's just those got got in there like dude this 14 year old kid in high school doesn't know a single Metallica song come on I, I would put Guns N' Roses uh, Appetite for Destruction like that front of that you see whatever. that I was a cassette at the time but yeah that that on the, on the shirt is very popular um, yeah you're right though that's a good point about when it did get in a target like that and those I bet you it did you know that that really elevated it the whole Johnny Cash and stuff like that. Find out if there is like a mojo moment type thing that they're rallying around this year, John. Because I'm, I'm wondering if he's 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 gone that route yet. McCarthy at their at their opening, uh, uh, you know, meeting or anything like that. Are you talking about in terms of like a new video or something? Yeah, like a new saying no. or whatever that they're you, doing. No, no, or using like exactly the exact same thing. They're doing mojo the, moment. Yeah, yeah. Dude, oh yeah. He had a off season to come up yeah, with something same, else. Wow. Yeah, the exact same thing happened today. Lost like the there both the times in the middle of practice it broke out. I posted a video on my Twitter account. I happened to be like filming like Dak rotating in to uh with the, with the other quarterbacks in a drill right when it hit. And you can just see like him like kind of throw his hands up and then he was dancing a little bit and Doug Nussmeyer was dancing a little bit like when it came over to the loudspeaker. No, no, it's the exact same mojo moment thing. No, Great nothing. excuse to ask him about his favorite Austin Powers movies and moments, just to see if he's seen them and to see if he tries to BS his way around saying. No, he hasn't. No, no, no. He was asked at the press conference today if he thought uh, the second one was as good as the first, or if it holds up. He said and that's he's never he seen Austin them. Powers. Yeah, that's when he said he's like, I have I've never seen them, but I base my entire team philosophy around. I think around he was it. just trying to find something that he thought was going to be like he thought funny but probably something that was out of the ordinary that would stand out with the guys that would kind of be something unique or whatever, you know? Okay. These guys are pretty young. I don't know how many of them are familiar with the 1999's The Spy Who Shagged Me, but maybe. Okay. Well, let me, I'll ask you guys this. What What's worse to you? That, and that's somewhat true to yourself, or him having like some young guy on the equipment staff come up with like, 
hey, what's like the it terms that all the guys are using nowadays? I'll use these. No, that's what I'm saying. It's not true to himself. I think that's what makes it cringe is that he thinks the kids are into Austin Powers. So I got to stoop to this level. Well, he doesn't anymore. No, no, I think he embraced the cringe. He knew when he showed it last year that they weren't into it at all, but they just kept going with it because it did. (laughs) Oh, because they made kind of a meme out of it. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. I see. Uh, That works. I'm just saying, like, if you try and go all, like, we'll say whatever the, what are the kids saying nowadays? I'll use those terms in the meeting. Right. Then you're, then you're one of my favorite gifts ever that Steve Buscemi with the, you know, with the, with the oh, backpack man. on and the school, like, like, hello, fellow kids or whatever. Like, <laughs> I mean, you don't want to be that guy. I give him credit for it being an out of the box one. Cause Garrett would just be like, oh, we're going to go, we're going to watch Top Gun guys. We're going to watch, remember the tie, you know, just so <laughs> cliche on his like team building no, you know what it would be. Like, we're all going to go to the theater and see this so new bad. World War II epic. Man, yeah. I'll tell you exactly what it would be. I know we talked about this before, but that like three-part series on the uh, on the Beatles on like making that <laughs> entire album. You know, they're definitely- he would make you know, them all sit there and watch all seven hours. hours. <laughs> Just look I at the teamwork it. there. Right, right. Look at look at how look at how they come up. Look at the way they talk through the yeah. lyrics. And and you and I have both seen all of them. That's and so true. You probably love every minute of it. There's parts in there where I think it gets kind of like, all right, you could probably trim this. KT down a was bit. on a Mad About Movies podcast with me talking about it. Ooh, yeah. So I mean, I can see. It. I mean, it gets a little drip, but I could see him playing like almost the whole thing, and guys are just like, all right, I don't even know what this get back song is about, but uh, can we get yeah. on to the next thing? This session's going on a little long, Ringo. Uh, all right team hours. outing we're all gonna be at the star get getting a charter and we're all gonna go down and see the boss play at the aac it's gonna you be know, three and a half hours or glory days thunder road uh, <laughs> like dude i think the best team building is just like how about you just let me like go to my hotel room for the night like or let me just get like make me not be somewhere because i'm already getting up at like six and lifting like yeah. the best team building could just be like can you just let me not not be here for like a few hours. Oh, I with, think he with does everyone. a lot of that, though, KT. I think he does a yeah. lot more of that than than the previous head coach for sure. Yeah, I, would, uh, I believe that 100. Like chilling out, giving you your own time. I thought it was kind of interesting. They like brought in these food trucks, like for the first day, right before their first practice and stuff like that. And it was like all kinds of you know, like ice cream and like like fast food type foods and things like that that you wouldn't think that a coach would want like the players to be, but it was just like, he's just a lot more laid back about that stuff. So I don't think he's grinding on him too long. I think he does that clipped Austin powers thing because it's quick 30 seconds or whatever. And then boom, it's on to the next thing. I, I just, I don't know. Like that's the way you got to be nowadays. Like the attention yeah. span, things like that. You got to like go right to the next thing. You can't, you know, be spending a half hour on this is the way the Beatles wrote this song. Sometimes you just got to smash a watermelon, you know? There you go. No, absolutely. No, that's a good one. Yeah, absolutely. Maybe drafting the RKGs, the right kind of guys, are guys who have a really good attention span and they can really focus in on and hone in. But you know, it is the thing I'll say with the Mojo moment. I'll get off of it. It's like it is amazing to me. Like I just think back to that 49ers game, and I think about the fake uh, kick that they pulled off, and they get the first down, but then they get the sideline penalty. Right. Because the, the, the sideline couldn't be composed during the mojo moments. Like, dude, you guys did mojo moments like all training camp. Like, everyone right. should know. It's frustrating. It's hey, real frustrating. quick, let me just run down some guys that I think have looked good in the first five yeah. practices. Uh, Tony Pollard looks really quick and, and just looks like he's ready for a bigger role. So that's obviously a big part for them because they can use him in inside in the slot and as a runner. He just – Tony Pollard looks like he's ready to have a big year. Um, with the receivers I had mentioned earlier, uh, Noah Brown, CD lamb, both of them look really good. Jalen Tolbert's been fine, but not on the level of Noah Brown and, and CD. I think Noah Brown, CD lamb has been their two best. TJ Vasher gets a lot more credit because he had the big splash play, but I would say those two, uh, Dalton Schultz has looked good. Um, it's been a little bit more difficult to judge the offensive and defensive line. Cause it's your first practice in pads. So the previous four, they're obviously not going completely all out, but there's definitely been moments where DeMarcus Lawrence has looked like him, his old self. Micah Parsons continues to be all over the place as, as expected. Uh, Jabril Cox looks like he's absolutely ready for uh, the bigger role that he was going to get if he didn't get hurt. Jerry Jones, Jerry Jones, you know, surprisingly mentioning this one the other day, a guy he thinks is going to be back sooner than expected. Damone Clark. That's wild. Yeah. I was very, I, I, hey, 
I'm going to just break it down so that you know exactly what happened here because it is interesting. He's yeah. talking to us. He says LSU linebacker. Think this guy's going to be coming on. He's going to be blah, 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 blah. We all walk away, a group of like eight of us, and it was almost 4-4 four, four split. It might have been 5-3 on is he talking about Jabril Cox because obviously he was at LSU before, yeah. or is he talking about Clark because he's talking about his leadership and stuff. I'm like, how could it be Damone Clark? He's not even been out here. You know, He's on NFI. With because of the neck, a lot of people thought he might not even play his whole entire rookie year. The way Jerry was talking, we ended up clarifying with him today. He was talking about Damone Clark. He thinks Damone Clark is going to be a contributor a lot sooner than people thought. So maybe that's midway through the season. I, I thought that was very interesting. I haven't seen him obviously out there, um, but that's an interesting name to know there. Sure uh, is. Backs, I would say um, safety just looks like it looks real solid. I mean, really, their corners and safeties all look solid. You know, like. You talk about like them drafting like a Duran Bland or or even talk about Kelvin Joseph. Both those guys are going to have a hard time getting any playing time over Anthony Brown, Trayvon Diggs, and Jordan Lewis. Those guys have all been the three have all been solid as long as they're healthy. They're playing, but even on the back end, a lot of three safety looks with with Donovan Wilson, Jaron Curse, Malik Hooker. Hooker was another one, man. I'm telling you, Jerry. Like these are I, I mentioned these things because these are things that like we're not asking him questions. He's just bringing up. That's what he did with Damone Clark. And that's what he did with Malik Hooker talking about how, you know, what he's been hearing and seeing that he thinks Hooker could just, you know, really take it to the next level because he, he was that first round pick that, you know, the Cowboys really liked coming out of Ohio state. He had a good year with the Colts and then he just, it was injuries, injuries, injuries. Then he had the Achilles and then he played 15 games last year and he was pretty solid. They think now being two years removed from that injury, this could be a huge year from Lee Hooker. So uh, those are just some of the guys that I just wanted to get into this podcast real quick of guys yeah. that just kind of stood out. Well, yeah, and you know Jerry's obviously the eternal optimist. Um, I also, you know, obviously the reports. But also, have, I feel like KT when he says those things, it's because also he's hearing about it from other people yes. that are on the coaching staff, the scouting staff. Like, hey, man, did you see so and so? Did you see this? You know, because there's always can be a, a, an element of Jerry Jones during these practices where he might be over signing autographs when he first comes out and misses maybe a series or something, or he's talking to some people on the sidelines and things like that, not following every single play. And when they go into the meetings and go over stuff. I, I, I promise you he's not going to just throw out Malik Hooker or Damone Clark or, or, yeah. or um, some of these other guys. He mentioned Deron Bland, things like that. If there weren't coaches or people in the, the scouting department saying, like, you know, it could be Will McClay saying, hey, you know, keep an eye on, you know, this guy. He's really been, you know, impressing us on this, you know. Yeah, you know, and even like Jabril Cox getting a lot of time, you know, was kind of like, well, you know, Leighton Vanders is still there. But, you know, Leighton Vanders will track record of getting hurt and things like that. Um but, you know, Demoe Clark, like him playing this year, I've never even thought that was even in the equation. I thought we just assumed red shirt, get him ready for 2023. But, um, you know, you know the other thing, too, like I said about the defense, there's the report, too, of the uh, Cowboys meeting with Tack McKinley. And it's very clear that Dan Quinn's voice on personnel is stamped on this team. Uh, maybe more so than McCarthy. I don't know. I might be reaching there when I say that and we'll see what they do with some of what's going on, you know, wide receiver and tackle, but sure feels that way with, with everything that's happened. Even last year, having Casey come in and, you know, Dante Fowler this year, which it sure feels like that. And who knows? They may not get tack. Tack was always going to, he was going to go meet with the Cardinals. I didn't see anything else on that today, but no, someone but the, the Cowboys were interested too. in, in 2017. Right. And, and believe me, like you said, the, um, the idea of like Dan Quinn going and going to bat for a guy obviously carries a lot of weight, but also the fact that they were able to get a full season out of DeMonte KZ and Malik Hooker last year after they were coming off Achilles injuries. Jerry said that from what they gathered, Tack McKinley is further along than um, Malik Hooker was when they signed him. And so, like I said, Malik Hooker ended up playing in 15 games. So um, a little bit of the success they've had with their medical staff you know, with some guys with Achilles injuries, that's obviously helps the attack McKinley situation too. Man, that's a, uh, so like to go to the offensive side of, side of the ball too. And in a second, we'll get into Jerry and uh, the uh, ring of honor stuff. Uh, mm -hmm. But uh, obviously the, maybe, maybe the most important thing outside of, you know, Dak is maybe just CD lamb and his role. Are we feeling very good uh, from a consistency basis that he is, ready to go and take that mantle as quote unquote, number one. I know it's a little generic the way I'm phrasing it, but look, it's, it's the clear cut best wide receiver on this team needs to be um, so good. So far, so good. Right. 
Yeah, I don't think there was any question that he had the best practice today. Their first practice in pads, he was he was outstanding. You know, no drops, uh, made some really nice grabs. Uh, you know, some plays broke down. One where Dak scrambled to his right and kind of what I thought was the play of the day, uh, and 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 just kind of threw a ball that was a little bit like, kind of a behind CD, so he could kind of track backwards so that the DB couldn't make a play on it. And CD made a great catch along the sideline. Uh, he had a, he had an excellent practice uh, on Monday, first one in pads that. Uh, as good of a practice as you could have wanted. And uh, CD Lamb, I don't think there's any, there shouldn't be any reason for any concern about him taking over number one. He's a number one type guy, whether you look at what he did in high school, college, whatever, like he's, he never should have fallen to the Cowboys where he did. They got lucky that they were able to get him where they did. He has got number one wide receiver traits. To me, it's just get him through this camp, get him to the preseason healthy, get into week one. Could there be some hiccups and some, you know, communication things between him and Dak here and there? Sure. Um, but it, I, don't, I don't think there's any question he's ready to be the Cowboys number one. He's a number one receiver in the NFL. I, I don't think there's any doubt about it. I don't think that we've seen his best ball yet. And so um, the only thing is that other teams are going to know that he's their top option. So you need some of those other guys to step up and losing a James Washington obviously doesn't help that situation. But, you know, there should be. If you're a Cowboys fan and you want to know, like you haven't seen any practices or read anything, what should I be most excited about on offense? It's CD lamb, Tony Pollard. They absolutely look like, and I mean, Zeke looks good too, but it's just that Zeke has to stay healthy. So why does that, you know, we got to see that as the season goes on, but in terms of just explosiveness, big playability, yeah. CD lamb, Tony Pollard, you know, th- those are two guys you should definitely be excited about. So, so, um, uh, okay, hold on, hold on. Hold on. So I, when I, when you look at all that that's going on with uh, Tony Pollard, we've talked about that, and the whole fan base is going nuts at the risk of of uh, firing up a, a discussion that we've had uh, a lot. What do you think of Jerry's comments about Zeke needing to be the focal point of the offense? Uh, yeah, I followed up with him after that interview, and uh, he gave me a pretty lengthy answer about how because I, I asked it in more along lines of the health thing. Like, I know you want to be a big part of the offense and all that. Are you concerned at all that he's going to be able to stay healthy like that? And he started talking about how Zeke delivers more blows than receives them and hands out more punishment than receives. That's fine. That's still both situations put you in a chance to, to get hurt. So um, the thing with Jerry is that when he says passing game, with passing game with Tony Pollard, it's like big plays with Tony Pollard ball in his hand. I think Jerry tries to talk around the idea of how good Zeke is as a pass protector. That's why that's why they really don't want to take Zeke off the field, even in those situations. They would rather bring him and Tony Pollard on the field at the same time so Zeke can kind of be like an extra blocker. Um, so I think that's what he means there. But yeah, that definitely when I saw that those quotes, because when he was talking to the NFL Network, you know, we're on the field talking to other players. So I didn't get to actually like listen to it until probably about a half hour after he said it. And I'd seen the tweets. So uh, I knew that was going to stir people up, especially Cowboys fans. because They're just like, what is this guy doing? You know, I don't get the sense that he's told Kellen Moore or Kellen Moore feels like, hey, well, to keep Jerry happy, I got to get Zeke at least 20 touches a game. Like, I don't I don't sense that. I, I think he's yeah. just being on the field and, it, and it's such an important part of their team in that I don't think that it he was meaning that they need more time because why he's saying that at one instance at the very end of that answer that he gave on the NFL network he talked about how important it was to have Tony Pollard out there so you know I obviously that means that he he's expecting them to both be on the field at the same time which I, I think a lot of people have been wanting to see for a long time now are we just going to see it at a consistent basis or is it something we see in the training camp and in preseason and maybe the first few weeks and then it just kind of goes away you know we're, we're about to get a big dose of uh, Rico Dowdle uh, most likely moving forward not only in practices but preseason games and things like that but they like him quite a bit right yeah yeah, absolutely. Yeah. yeah. I mean, he's had some nice plays too. Uh, Malik Davis, the uh, undrafted rookie free agent they signed, he's had, he's made some nice uh, plays as well. I mean, they got, they got some help there behind those guys that, that, that should be solid that if they need it. I mean, they factored in Rico Dowdle being their number three back last year before he got hurt. So with him back fully healthy now. Yeah, absolutely. No, they got, they got some solid depth there for sure. Um, and, and I think, I think most fans and most people would be fine with Ezekiel Elliott's role being what it is, if it wasn't the facts of like how much he's being paid. And when you're being paid that you think like, man, you need to be getting more from that guy. And so that's why I think Jerry goes out of his way to say that stuff, because then he wants to make it look like 
his investment is worth it, you know, because yeah. he's focal point of this team and whatever, you know, and uh, so we got to have him out there because everybody knows that you look down their roster, highest paid players, Zeke's right up there with all of the guys. So uh, I think that's more Jerry being the salesman, I should say. He now, always pumps up his own guys. He'll yeah. he'll always he'll always do that. I mean he'll he won't Jaylen. Want, yeah, he won't yep. want Zeke to hear, oh, Jerry said you're taking a step back and it's Tony's time. You know, I think he always yeah. pump, pumps up his guys whenever possible and things work themselves out behind the scenes. <laughs> it's almost just like the reverse effect though when you over pump someone up like that, too. Yeah. Yeah. And and then I think you have to obviously weigh into the equation the long drought of consistent playoff success. I think once you start getting consistent playoff success, you earn credibility there. The credibility is not where it needs to be. Right. <laughs> I mean, it's a fan base who's basically thinks some of their um, mechanisms. And I'm not talking about everyone. Cause they've done a lot of good things too, but I think some of their mechanisms are a laughing, uh, a laughing matter, you know, kind of a, a joke. You know, since you had mentioned that we're going to talk about Jimmy Johnson, I wanted to state here that um, since the Cowboys haven't had any of the ultimate success over the last previous 26 years, I think any suggestion is open to be heard on how you could possibly fix it and have uh, one of those seasons that finally breaks this trend. And so I'm going to throw this out there. I kind of mentioned it on here before, but um I think that the Cowboys have their ultimate success. They almost need Jerry to be the heel. And when I say that, I mean, he does need to be critical of the team and, and maybe the head coach. And he needs the head coach to bite back at Jerry to where there is animosity bef- between the two of them. And almost it helps rally the team because it's something that nobody has seen at all from the Cowboys since probably Jimmy and Jerry, where there is some of that. And I really, I do think it has its rallying factors with the team because one, it could bring the team closer together. And two, it just really elevates your head coach to where they're like, I, Hey, did you hear what coach said about Jerry? I can't believe he said that about Jerry Jones. Like what, man, this guy is, I'll go to war for this guy any day. Like instead of having a coach where you're just kind of like, is the coach kind of got the full say or is yes, it kind man. of a Jerry yeah. Jones thing? Yeah. Like, I, I, I mean, I'm not saying it'll work, but I'm just saying that because the nothing else has 26 years, even if they have to, even if it has to be a Kardashian episode where it's all scripted, it, you know, between, Mike McCarthy and Jerry Jones, that could be the best thing to happen because I could see it rallying a team where they're just like, this coach is nuts, man. This is I mean, wild. It kind of did. did so, sort of. Off season with the Peyton stuff. Yeah. yeah. I agree. I agree. Going on Rich Eisen show. Yeah. yeah. No, a little bit for sure. Yeah. I couldn't remember if that was Rich Eisen or Dan Patrick. I knew it was one of them, but uh, uh, name that 90s Sports Center anchor. Um, but uh, okay, so so Jerry does like, as you're talking about the, the car wash. I think it got more tense with Nui than anyone else. Yeah, which Nui's been there, kind of stirring the pot a little bit uh, uh, this Nui week. Has been a, if you know Nui, Nui loves the. So uh, I'm a big Duke basketball fan. Nui loves North Carolina. So I've just known Nui long enough to know it. he likes to just stir the pot. Like you can just be talking about something random, and he'll just take some shot at Duke basketball or whatever. So that is that isn't. When you see that on TV or in a radio interview or something like that, that's not Nui acting. That's Nui's personality. He does like to stir the pot. So, yeah, and he has been doing that since he's been out here. So, yeah, I agree with you. In general, I don't care too much about the Ring of Honor stuff, but I do think it's interesting when it comes down to Jimmy just because of what happened. I mean, Jerry's comments last year, not that he said guaranteed it or anything, but he basically said Jimmy's going to get in at some point. And now it feels like Jerry's kind of taking the ball back and saying, well, and it feels like, like, he'll get in, but let me get this done first. And how yeah. easy to say when you're feeling as good as you were last year at that time when those comments happened, you know, like, this is our year. It's the year that I do it, you know, and then I could see it. I, if Cowboys won the Super Bowl last year, I could see next year Jimmy Johnson get again. I think you probably let it sit for a year. I don't know that, Jim, that Jerry ever lets Jimmy in. It might have to be done without Jerry, which yeah. is a morbid thing to say, but it, I kind of feel like we're back on square one when it comes to that, right? Yeah, I, I find it interesting even well beyond football. I find it interesting in just a uh, from a life perspective in a sense where um, it doesn't necessarily just have to be with a football team. I think 
people just in general, whether it be a, a friend or a family member that you have a grudge against for some little thing, like for me, I, okay, I'm, I'm 40 years old. As I get older, I, I, I start thinking to myself, I feel like as you get older, you're a lot more forgiving and you see the bigger picture and you're like, Hey man, life's too short. Let's just, you know, you know, I've had a beef with this person for a long time. Let's just move on, you know? So to me, it's fascinating from the perspective of like, damn, these dudes are going to keep it going this long. Like to me, it's almost like a little bit of a reality show type thing. Like I can't believe. And for me, like thinking back to like this stuff was going on when like they were rolling in the nineties and it's still going on today. Like the pettiness there, part of me finds it entertaining. And so I agree with you. Like, I don't really care a ton about like that ring of honor stuff. Um, I obviously would not be a good person to put in charge of that because the ring of honor for the Cowboys would have like 50 names in it. And they probably wouldn't, they don't want, they want to keep it somewhat exclusive. Uh, so I get that perspective of it too, but just like, it's just laughable to think that I'm, when I moved down here was the first thing I, I, I'm, I was foolish. I thought that his name was in the ring of honor 2011. I moved down here and I remember that's the first game I went to at AT&T stadium was during the 2010 season. And, uh, I remember thinking to myself, I'm like, I've heard people talk about this, but it is crazy that Jimmy Johnson, really, you're not going to have him in the ring of honor. And then years pass and years pass. And you're just like, man, it's crazy. These two, these two dudes really, and, and probably Jerry more than Jimmy. Jerry. Yeah. Is, is just still angry about the way things ended. And then also who gets the credit, you know? And so, uh, you know, I guess it isn't one of those it, things where as you get older, you're just like, Hey, let's just put it behind us, move on and let's go that there, there's some deep seated issues there for sure. Sure. It's his biggest insecurity overall. That we know of. That we know of. That we know of. of so course. you, yeah. you, you yeah. really think he's waiting for his kids to do it because why not just do it and get it over oh, with? No, why I'm saying, you, I'm saying I don't right think he's around. About it. I agree yeah. with KT. On that. If they want a, uh, if they want a Super Bowl, I think that he wants to show that he can do it without him and then put oh, him win in. a Super Bowl. Got it. Yeah. yeah. And when I talk about his kids, I'm talking about Jerry's 80 is what I'm saying. Like, I know I that's what I'm saying. Like, yeah, wouldn't he doesn't have time to have a bad time. Wouldn't you think he'd want to do it as soon as possible and get it, get it done and over with? Cause I think putting Jimmy Johnson in the ring of honor without him winning a Super Bowl is having a bad time. Yeah. Right. I, I think that's not a good, that's not a party thing for Jerry. I think he'd be surprised when it happens. I think it would be, but that is not a good time for Jerry. I wonder almost, how much it, he hated it last year when he had to give Jimmy that ring. And when Jimmy said to that crowd, I got one more thing to say. How about them Cowboys? And that's as loud as AT&T Stadium will ever get. I mean, it was just at max. I will never forget that moment. It was wild. I mean, I had chills when, when he said that. Like, that was wild. I mean, it really took it back to, like, the 90s. I be, and Jerry's going to be in the field when that happened. And that building's just rocking like Jerry's probably never heard it before. I mean, he had to be <laughs> so annoyed by that. One of the most popular... Here's the other thing is, is that there's a lot of people that probably don't know all the behind the scenes that for a long time are probably like, well, it's probably 50-50 Jerry and Jimmy that contributed to those teams in the 90s. Every year that goes on that they don't come close yeah. to having that success, it just makes it so much worse to where it's like nobody can even think it's any closer to 70-30 at the mm -hmm. most. You know what I'm saying? Mm -hmm. Like it's just so, yeah. And he has to hate that, obviously. So to KT, I think you hit the nail on the head with the, but if he won a Super Bowl, you know, then he could sit there and say that, um, you know, it would have been crazy. It's like, what if he would have had like some more postseason success with Garrett and then started running his mouth on interviews about how he thinks Garrett's a better coach than Jimmy Johnson and stuff like that. Cause they could have <laughs> got to that level. It could have got to that level. If he would have started having some success, you know, like I found a guy that's even better than Jimmy Johnson or something. I bet you he would have loved to have that for that to happen. It just got to a point where he had to move on, but that's why he would have loved for one with Jason Garrett because it would have been his handpicked guy and, he would have gotten a lot of credit for that. So does does Jimmy have to be the next person in though? If they'd announce, so oh, the next so. person in is Demarcus Ware. That's that's going to cause even more heat, right? I bet Witten is next. Witten or oh, Ware. yeah, Romo. I think Witten, Romo, or Ware. Okay, be there. Yeah. Romo, come on. Oh, oh, hey, oh, okay, Romo. Did you just did you, you did say you brought up? Look, you, did, oh, you brought up you brought up the new interview, right? Yes. Watched it? Did you watch all of it, or did you just get the? Jimmy I just part? saw the clip. Yeah, I didn't watch all. Of it. Oh yeah. Oh, well, about two minutes before that, he's talking about. Uh, Newey asked him about, um, you know, how you say Jerry that not winning Super Bowl with Romo is like your greatest regret. You have some of the same feelings with Dak. Gives a long answer at the very end of that answer. It's and and Romo is, uh, you know, to me a Hall of Fame quarterback. 
So if he thinks he belongs in the Pro Football Hall of Fame, I'm going to say that Jones thinks he belongs in the Ring of Honor. So, (laughs) but no, I do not think, and I know that people that have been a fan of this team for a long time, I'm sure there's plenty of guys from the 60s and 70s that they think belong there. For me personally, though, I don't think anybody should go in next over Jimmy Johnson. Jimmy Johnson should have been in already like jimmy johnson has to be part of whatever that next class is now i agree and then i think demarcus Ware and jason witten stand out from this you know recent uh you know couple. you think that jimmy you think either of them should go in over jimmy johnson no no i don't don't think he should have a gold jacket and not be in i think i think the 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 ring of honor should be first if possible yeah and i agree but i do also one of my most annoying things in sports is like the yankees seemingly Look, they've and the Yankees have a history and have tons of great players, but now they don't even have room for numbers anymore, like because they've like put everyone in. So, like, sometimes I'm like, Yeah, I understand oh, yeah. that. There's teams like that. Yeah. And I'm like, They almost like overdo it. I feel like the Mavericks have done uh, a really good job. Washington. They've won 27 world championships. I mean, yeah. the Yankees is the absolute gold standard. So they're going to have, and they, and they were doing that way longer before anybody even thought of having a NFL. So, uh, it, when you have that many years, sure. yeah, you're going to run out of numbers. They have I mean, like numbers one through 10 are retired and the Yankees, aren't they? Like, yeah. They're like all oh, yeah. <laughs> they're running out of Jersey numbers and stuff. Basically. Yeah. It's crazy. Yeah. But yeah, but no, like, I, I think I it's just, totally I think the, I don't think of many guys. I, I can't think of any guy that, that they have a Jersey retired that I'm like, they retired that guy's Jersey. That guy was okay. Like, there could be, I, I don't, I, I haven't looked at it recently, but for the most part, like when you go all those single digit numbers, yeah. Find me a guy in there in those single digits that doesn't deserve to have his number retired. Tying yeah. it back to the current They're team. Like how, legends of the game. how much longer did Tyron and Zach Martin have to play to get in? To the ring of honor. Are there, I think they're they'll probably oh, I, get in. You got to right, go yeah, 10 years, you're right? Putting, for I, me I, personally, I, if, you're, if you're putting Tony Romo in, then Zach and Tyron deserve to go in right now. If you put like three in from each era of the Cowboys, for the Parcells era, it would be Romo, Witten, and Ware. For this era, it would be Dak, Tyron, and Zach, right? Tyron, Zach, and honestly, the other Maybe name Dak, that's going to... depending on that. Dak's Talib, name. I think, might end up being Micah Parsons. <laughs> yeah, that's true. As I don't know I don't know that there's another one. You know, Obviously, if Travis was able to would stick have been around Travis, for a few more yeah. years, he would have had a chance at it. Maybe Demarcus I'm, Lawrence, I don't know. I think you'd need to see a little more. A couple more all pros. Uh, you would need a little more out of Dez, you know. Yeah, you're gonna all these guys need a lot have a lot more posting success before we start putting them over some of these uh older guys that need to be in there. Including Jerry that Jones needs to have more postseason success, right? Yeah. I mean, so what if Jerry Jones said that he would put Jimmy in, but he's putting him in with Jerry? Dude, what They're if McCarthy in. wins a Super Bowl and he puts McCarthy in over Jimmy? Oh my lord. I don't think fans would care right now because they would just be so thrilled that they got back to winning the Super Bowl. They would they would be able to deal with it at a time, but my lord, that would be wild. Guys our age telling their kids, you wouldn't believe how how good this was in the nineties. I think the, the, the thought I don't even Barry very hardly Switzer remember. In. He puts Barry Switzer in. I think the <laughs> thought of badass. I mean I love it. I think the thought of just the permanent nature of the ring of honor is what freaks Jerry out. Like that thing will be there when all of us are gone, you know, that, so, you know, I think that's, that's what freaks him out is like to just for those curtains to drop and for Jimmy Johnson's name to be there forever. Well then blow it up. You know, <laughs> I mean, you don't have to stadium. do it. Just get rid of it. In the new stadium, don't have a ring of honor. Just get rid of it. It's not yeah. a thing anymore. I mean, you're in charge. Like it's like you make the rules. I think that's this thing too. I think like no matter what, if any of us, if any person in the world's in charge of something, you can like not be bothered by criticism like it seems like Jerry is. It's still some of it gets to you. And you're still human. So like mm-hmm. he's like all this uh, he he does a great job of doing the whole well, you guys talk about me and you guys make a living talking about me. Isn't that crazy? And he does that whole thing. You're still part of it. You're you're a human. So some of that will get to you. No matter how bulletproof yeah. you it might be, so I mean, I, I just still think some of that's there. So that's, I mean, it's a very human thing that's happening for someone hey, who bro. can. You, when you talk to him or, or you hear him talk, you, you can always go, "Man, I'm seeing right. You BSing me right now, aren't you? Yeah, you BSing. This is a very human 
personal thing. And that's, I'm more interested in that guys, than I think the Ring of Honor in general. How much do you guys pay, John, for a pay-per-view? Jimmy and Jerry, the sit-down, two, two and a half hours where they're sitting there with like a, a psychiatrist together. And they just let it all well, out. I would pay. Well, I would pay some good money to see that special. Well, for me, uh, selfishly, I'd pay a lot. Um, <laughs> it could be in the thousands because, yeah. again, selfishly, what it would do for me, social media wise, as I like <laughs> the whole thing. So again, I, I'm not a good person to ask on this because um, I'm not going to be really caring about it as much for just the interest and what they're actually saying as as opposed to just what kind of social media. <laughs> For my myself, it, it seems help, like but. nobody's ever been like, like what the what the hell's the matter? Are you still mad about me stiffing you in that drink at the owners meeting in 1992 or whatever it was? Like, is that well? Really- I, I go back to this. I go back to this. Um, the longer I'm in this business, the more I realize that um, whenever there is something, and in, in, I'm sure it's like this with a lot of other politics, um, you know, Hollywood, whatever. But in sports, I've come to learn that whenever there's a, a player or, or any person involved that has, let's say, off the field issues, or there's a lot of drama that we all know about, we always hear about, we're like, yeah, this person, whatever, let's just use, I'm just going to give you a random example and just say like a Dennis Rodman. Remember like the nineties, it was just always something Dennis Rodman doesn't want I've come to learn that with those type of situations in real life, they're way worse than even what we know. Mm -hmm. We just know a tip of the iceberg. And so that's why I'm saying like, yeah, there's so much written about Jimmy and Jerry, but there's probably so much more that's in there that only a few people even know about of just like disrespect amongst them and things like that, that it was just like, it would blow your mind. And one day it probably will come out in a book. Jimmy should write the book. What's yeah. Jimmy got to lose? Well, he's trying to get in the, in the I, ring of honor. I so. just don't think well, he cares. That's true. <laughs> that's the one yeah. thing now. Yeah. He yeah. absolutely cares. He well, absolutely he cares. don't. No, no, he cares. I don't think he cares enough to write a book. Oh, okay. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. He's just I think he's in the ring of honor. Yeah. But like, this is water un- under the bridge. If the Cowboys were able to do it in 2014 or 2016 or whatever, this is water under the bridge. I promise. Yeah. I mean, it's, this is this is about you get credit for everything. Jerry knows that Barry Switzer doesn't even get credit for that third one. Jerry knows that. Right. So no, like, yeah, yeah, that's, that's, that's part of it. Exactly. It's and all here. Yeah. I think Jerry was put on the spot. If you go back and listen to that audio when he was at the hall of fame game and they put him on, you know, he, he was very cordial and put him on, the, putting him on the spot. And so I think it's just one of those things where he has the power over Jimmy and he'll keep it as long as he can. Well, I don't know how much we solved this week, but that's okay because it's training camp and it's always a work in progress. This is a process, guys. This is a process. We're going to figure it out. We'll have the latest on the kicker battle. Hopefully no more injuries. If there's anything big and breaking, we'll be back with an emergency pod. Otherwise, we'll catch up with you next week. And by then, we'll be a week away from the first preseason game. So uh, football is back, baby. We couldn't be more excited. Make sure you check out John and Bob Sturm's work over on The Athletic, crushing it with football content. Lots of good stuff there. Uh, baseball trade deadline tomorrow. Some little Levi Weaver action. Make sure you're, you're uh, in on all that as well. Um, for our producer, Kent Garrison, and for Father John Bashota out there enjoying the beautiful weather in California, I'm Kevin KT Turner. We'll keep sweating it out. We'll see you next week on About Them Cowboys. Austin Powers.